I'm Ash. Aloha, I'm Matt. We are the Yoga Couple. Welcome back to the Inner Work Podcast. You guys, we are so excited for today's special guest. It is going to be an amazing conversation. But before we get into it, we want to share some amazing, huge news. Yeah, we're Drum super roll, please. excited. We are hosting the very first Inner Work Soul Retreat right here on our home island, Big Island, Hawaii, June 1st through June 8th. 2019 and we are so excited to invite you here for eight days seven nights of yoga meditation hiking lounging on the beach snorkeling viewing waterfalls and most importantly doing inner work together Mm, you guys it is going to be so amazing we have been this has been in the making for like a decade now for each of us we have been wanting to do something like this for so long And all the pieces had to come together just right. And we couldn't have found a better place to do an inner work retreat. I mean, Big Island is such a sacred, sacred island of transformation. As you know, if you've listened to our podcasts, uh, you know, especially the first few episodes and and you remember the lava and what this island has done for us, so much transformation here. And to get to bring you here finally to share the beauty and the transformation that takes place in this sacred space is going to be amazing. Um, It's just, it's, we are thrilled and over the moon and we're so excited for the people who have already signed up. It's just, oh my goodness. It's so amazing. So it's been interesting though, because we have announced it and we've already had a few people sign up, but what we've been noticing, I think, I mean, I have within myself, I can't speak for you that Even though we announced it, people are signing up already, and to our surprise, you know, having such a good response, immediately after that happens, I find myself going, "Uh uh-oh, but what if they're the only ones who sign up, and more (laughs) people don't, and this doesn't work, and how do I know that I'm, you know, aligned to do this, and how do I know that we're ready, Mm. and how do I know people are going to be receptive, And and I find my inner narrative, and I'm being so transparent with you guys, because we all go through this stuff. Just, you know, getting tempted with, with doubt. Mm. And our special guest that we have on the show today wrote a book called The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga. Her name is Ellen Grace O'Brien, and we've been reading her book, and it couldn't have come in a more timely <laughs> manner because... It's amazing, the timing. Yeah, we're going through this transformation for ourselves of stepping into our dharma, which is just naturally what we feel called to do with our lives. Mm. Like there's nothing else we want to do with our lives, but inner work and yoga and meditation and talk about this stuff. And we're just stepping more and more into that. And as we do that, we're totally being supported, but we're also hearing that these past programs and this inner narrative of doubt in her book is all about Mm, this. I know. Couldn't have been more perfect timing. And honestly, being aligned with her book right now, it just shows how supported we are by divine and and by the higher self because it's just, it literally is answering and soothing all of that doubt, all of those questions. And it's just hilarious because when you put yourself out there towards something you really care about, you know, if it was any other career or something else different, maybe that I wasn't as fully into, you know, it wouldn't be as scary, right? But when it comes to, say, the inner work, this is like our spadharma. This is like our life calling. Like, 
it means so much to us that that's also why it's so scary is because it's it's everything we just want to give this well we're asking the questions of what if what if what god wants for me isn't what i want for myself yeah, and, which and, she hits on in her book yeah and when and when it's something you really care about that all of a sudden becomes a concern like well no what if what if what i'm so drawn to what if what i love and that this i'm so excited about what if this isn't actually it and what if i'm doing the wrong thing right. oh, no. how you do know? i know that what i want for myself is what the universe god mm. or you know my higher self is aligned to actually do and what if i try and what if i fail mm. and those are two questions that she answers so spot on in her book that i needed to read like literally yesterday mm. <laughs> and just soothing soothing my doubts and my fears with the the wisdom the wisdom that we study the truth Mm -hmm. and and one of the things that's so fascinating about all of this is is the book is called the jewel of abundance using yogic principles using yogic ancient wisdom you know for a more prosperous life and that's something i think we don't ever correlate those two prosperity wealth abundance and spiritual living we think they're super separate and i love that she goes right into how that is so not true. Pretty much every page. And <laughs> yeah, we are meant like, to be not true. abundant and prosperous. Mm. We're meant to thrive. We're meant to be supported. It's a supported. goal of life even. It's a goal of life mm. in, in the spiritual text. So we're excited to have her on. We're not going to talk anymore about this. We're just going to bring her right on. And you guys have got to listen to this episode, especially because we're in January 2019. This is, the, you know, the perfect time to it's start new year. nurturing let's, those let's, dreams. Let's nurture our dreams, head into a new year with confidence and and also to accept in our spiritual practice that prosperity is a, it is a cornerstone. It is vital. It is so important to find prosperity through our spiritual work, and that is exactly what we get to talk about And the most comforting thing is that all of these spiritual texts, all these yogic texts say we were meant to be it. We are designed Mm. to be abundant, to Mm. be prosperous, to thrive. It is our birthright. Mm. And, you know, there, there isn't this opposition or this struggle or this thing that doesn't want us to have it we think that there's Mm. this thing that doesn't want us to have it and that's so not true that's all within ourselves so uh, without further ado let's bring her on On today's episode of the Inner Work Podcast, we have Ellen Grace O'Brien. She's the author of The Jewel of Abundance. She's a yogacharya, which basically means an esteemed yoga teacher. She's a radio host and an award-winning poet who weaves her poetry into her teachings on spiritual matters, pointing to the mystical experiences beyond words and thought ordained by a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. She's been teaching Kriya yoga philosophy and practice nationally and internationally for over three decades. You can visit her online at ellengraceobrien.com. And in the meantime, you can listen to her right here on the Inner Work Podcast. Ellen, we're so excited to have you. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's a delight to be with you both. Well, we have to tell you, we've really been enjoying reading your book. It has come in a really timely moment in our lives, and it it really just couldn't have been 
aligned with us in a more perfect moment. And every time we're going through our own little doubts and fears with, you know, pursuing our own dharmic path and everything we're doing, we just open your book and it's like the book is speaking directly to us. So we are so excited to have you on this episode of the podcast to talk more about the relationship between prosperity and abundance in the spiritual path. It really seems in the spiritual communities where we think we have to give up the world and, you know, therefore you have to forfeit any worldly prosperity in order to be truly spiritual. And I love how you really clarify that that is not true. So for our listeners, could you please elaborate on, on the misconception that's happening there between you know, prosperity in our world, our worldly affairs, and also within our spiritual endeavors. Yeah, um, thank you for bringing that right up because it is, I think it's, a, it's such a common dilemma and it, it was really there for me uh, in the beginning of my own uh, spiritual journey on the path of yoga. I, I thought, you know, I had that idea of, you know, uh, just kind of escaping from the world and from worldly concerns and pressures and which included you know how do you make money and how do you engage in a way in life you know to succeed and to prosper somehow I felt like my spiritual path was going to be rising above all that but Thankfully, yoga is really not about that. When we turn to the ancient Vedic scriptures, we, we actually find that, you know, one of the four main goals of life, one of the Purushartas, is actually wealth. It actually is to prosper. And that's because, you know, we're here not not only to wake up, you know, to know the truth of, of what we are, of who we are in this lifetime, but also to express, you know, that divine energy um, and uh, to express that in our fullness because that helps us to develop. So it, it isn't at all held that prospering is not consistent with our spiritual life. It's it's just a matter, of course, of, you know, what you do with it, right? Yes, absolutely. And, and I love how throughout the book, you know, you're really clarifying how when we have true prosperity, we are able to use that towards our spiritual dharma, you know, our svadharma, our, our path that we are here to walk. You know, you could, it's kind of like you can only serve so many people if you are, you know, completely struggling and barely making your own ends meet. But if you are truly prospering, you therefore are able to have this abundance of the ability to share and give and, you know, uplift so much more through that prosperity. It's true. And of course, in order to serve others, you know, not only do we need resources to, to serve in our world, but, but we also need an awakened consciousness, you know, that's grounded in drawing from the infinite divine source. So, you know, we, we get out of that kind of shopkeeper mentality, you know, where we're, we're counting all the time and mm. thinking about, um, you, you know, what we need to get. So there's a whole shift that happens with an abundant consciousness where we feel that we're in the flow, we know we're in the flow, and we're much um, better able to give. Definitely. And I found it interesting that you did mention that prosperity, and in other words, Artha, is one of the four universal goals of our life, which 
I consider myself a yogi and I didn't even know. And I was like, wow, that is so interesting. And could you just elaborate more on, on what are those, those four universal goals of life that the, the Veda points us to? What are they and, and, and how can we align ourselves more with them? Yeah, it's such a beautiful teaching, isn't it? Um, of course, the first goal I think many people who are practicing yoga today are are becoming more familiar with, which is dharma. Um, you know, that word people is beginning to enter our, our lexicon, right? You know, we're becoming, you know, more aware of living with purpose. And, and dharma really means to live with higher purpose. It's not just knowing something that we want to do in life, but it really is a life that is in harmony with higher purpose, you know, with higher good. So that's the first goal is dharma, to, to live um, an awakened life, to live an ethical life, to live a serviceful life, a life of higher purpose. And then the second goal is arta, which is what my book is about. And that goal is... So it, Arta means wealth. And, of course, wealth is not seen only as money, but it doesn't exclude that. You know, wealth is basically, as Paramahansa Yogananda said, having what we need when we need it. <laughs> and so, you know, it refers to all, all the ways that we can live um, abundantly. And, you know, one of the things to understand about wealth as a life goal is that these these four goals of life are are considered intertwined and so wealth is not a goal to be pursued for its own sake it's it's a goal that is to be in support of dharma you know so we have something that we're here to do and we need the resources to do that so we need to be able to learn how to access the necessary resources and then um, just briefly the third goal I sometimes call the hallelujah goal you know which is <laughs> that that we're here to enjoy life that's comma our pleasure that of course you know I mean we're wired to enjoy life but again this goal although it's considered important because we want our, our life to be joy filled you know that's the nature of the soul is ananda our bliss but it is not pleasure again for its own sake you know it's it's pleasure that has us leading a life of you know heart and meaning higher purpose and the and the last goal is uh, moksha or liberation of consciousness so dharma and moksha those goals that are you know really clearly about leading a spiritual life are what constrain um, wealth and pleasure and give them a higher context or a higher meaning. Beautiful. Yeah, I find it that um, when I'm on this this journey of studying yoga, there is so much emphasis on moksha and dharma and not a lot of emphasis on what your your book is talking about with with prosperity. And it's really refreshing and kind of makes me feel comforted in my own in my own journey and in my own endeavors that I'm not wrong for wanting to prosper and to thrive because I feel like sometimes I may have confused the teachings and kind of been a little bit hard on myself for even having the desire to want to thrive so it's <laughs> it's really comforting to read no. I know. I mean, I, I really feel, um, too, uh, with you, Ash, that it's really like a breath of fresh air, isn't it? It's an affirmation 
that we are really here to thrive and to prosper and it and you know we find of course in all spiritual traditions you know sort of flashing red light around desire and that's difficult because you know desire is inherent to us you know we're we're wired to desire so you know as soon as we wake up in the morning we we desire right we desire to get out of bed or stay in bed or we desire you know to have a drink of water or a cup of coffee or whatever it is we're pursuing but the path of yoga gives us so many beautiful tools to understand what desire is really about and in a sense I think how we can befriend it and understand that it is natural to have desire and that it actually can point us in a higher direction. Mm. Mm. And, you know, it's even goes in line with, say, the Buddhist teachings. It gets confused there as well. Like there's all these spiritual paths where there's a misconception that desire is the real problem. But in, I think in reality, from what I've always come to the conclusion of is that it's the attachment to the desires that is causing the issue. And, and delineating those two always seems to be the tricky part. Could you kind of keep going on that and tell us a little bit more about how yoga actually is leading us to prosperity if we understand this subtle, subtle delineation between the attachment and then actually how desire is not actually the the enemy here? <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's just recognizing that, you know, we do innately have desire and, uh, we come to really like sort of scientifically explore that in our life you know Paramahansa Yogananda talked about how you know we're always desiring something else right we always want something else we get something then we want something else and so to just observe how how we naturally are seeking something and Yoga is really about learning what it is that we're actually seeking. And so the teachings of yoga point us back to, you know, what we're actually seeking, you know, the unconditional happiness, um, the uh, divine uh, wisdom that is unbounded, and the, you know, eternal life. All those qualities that we're really looking for are actually innate to our essence of being. And so, you know, when we look at what does yoga teach us about prosperity, it, it teaches us that the deepest sense of what we're looking for is actually within us. And then it gives us the tools to find that. So, but I also want to say that that doesn't say that, okay, you just find everything within you and then you you don't need to do anything in the world. Um, That's not what it teaches us either. What it teaches us is that the divine potentials are within us all. But we, we have to not only realize that is true, but we also have to express that you know we have to actualize our potential and so in actualizing our potential you know that's how we not only how we contribute but it's also how we grow and of course you know prosperity is a is a big part of that 
I love in the book you talk about that thread between yogic wisdom and prosperity and referencing the yoga sutras, which again, I just love all this because here I am reading all these books and I'm not catching on to these things that you define more clearly in your book. And you said that even in Pantajali's Yoga Sutras, he points us to what true prosperity is and that it's established in non-stealing. And really thinking about that, I'm like, well, I don't consider myself someone who steals. And how really looking into that, if we're if we're becoming aware of where we might be unknowingly stealing or coveting in our own mindset might be preventing us from our own prosperity and our own wholeness. I would love it if you could elaborate that to our listeners on that connection in the Yoga Sutras pointing us to prosperity. Yeah, thank you for that question. That's really where the title of the book comes from, The Jewel of Abundance, because that that is taken right from the translation of Patanjali's Yoga Sutra that says, you know, what we find in Yoga Sutra, of course, is this handbook for spiritually conscious living that is practical, but it is also something that we have to discern how to apply, right? You know, so it doesn't tell you exactly how to prosper. It tells you what the spiritual law is regarding it, and you have to figure out what that means. So what it says in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra is that one who is established in non-stealing experiences the jewel of abundance. Of course, we have to contemplate, well, what does that mean? (laughs) You know, these aphorisms are to be explored in all dimensions. So, you know, physical, mental, and spiritual. So, like you say, actually, I think most of us, you know, reading Patanjali think, well, you know, I'm I'm not a person who steals, you know, I, I got done with shoplifting when I was a teenager or a young kid, you know, haven't, haven't done that. And, um, but then we have to look more subtly in terms of, you know, even things like jealousy or envy, right, which we find in the spiritual traditions pointing to a kind of stealing, like wanting something that belongs to somebody else or taking credit, you know, for some creative idea, creative work that's not ours. You know, there's all kinds of subtle ways that we can be engaged in stealing. And the principle behind it, I think, is really, of course, what's most important. And that is that if whenever we steal, you know, whenever we take something that is not ours um, physically or doesn't belong to us by right of consciousness, we're coming from a place of lack. You know, we're, we're saying, I don't have that, so I need to take it you know, mm-hmm. from this other person. And, you know, it could it, that could even be something like, you know, taking uh, a, another person's partner, you know, somebody who's in a committed relationship. And it, it's like saying, I want something that I don't have. And the basic principle of, of being established in non-stealing is your own fullness, your own innate wealth. And that that means you don't have to take from anybody else because you you have within yourself those potentials. That's the most beautiful part is that getting to that realization where where there is no more coveting and envy and jealousy because like you just said, you realize you already have it. So it's almost like that 
that coveting mentality just keeps us separate from from truth over and over and over again. And we think we're, when we get it, we're gonna we're gonna fulfill ourselves again. All the while we already had it. So I just I just love all these connections that that your book has been making for myself personally. Thank you. Yeah, you've just really touched on the most important part, which is changing our mind, you know, from lack to abundance. And sometimes people don't understand, like, well, how can I do that? Because, you know, obviously, when I look outside myself, I don't have that right now. But it's it's a matter of understanding that that you have the divine potentials within you. You are whole. You are complete um, as a divine being. And then it's a matter of learning how to attract or bring into your life that which is consistent with what you know uh, to be worthy of you. Mm, absolutely. I think with, with what you were just saying there... I would love to ask for those of our listeners that are not sure, like throughout the book, you know, you really mention a lot about awakening and you just mentioned, you know, when we really remember who we are, we awaken to our spiritual nature and we we're starting to now try to express that potential. You know, how do we describe this awakening process to someone who maybe isn't as familiar with that? What is that process like to, to getting to that point where you're like, okay, now I'm ready to explore my potential? who are studying yoga, you know, that's really the essence of yoga philosophy. You know, yoga is described as union and car conscious union with the higher true self or the divine self, whatever you want to call that. We were talking about Patanjali's Yoga Sutra a little earlier and that classic text of yoga philosophy basically defines yoga as that you know when we when the mind becomes quiet and we stop identifying with our thoughts and all of our limiting beliefs um what we are as spiritual beings is revealed by itself you know that we are that infinite unbounded um, divine reality that that is the truth of our being so waking up in according to yoga is waking up to that uh, truth of our being that which is unchanging unbounded unlimited absolute reality or supreme consciousness could be called by many names you say in the beginning of the book that all that external seeking is actually just us seeking to know God. It's just seeking to know what you just described, that awakening process. And in reality, that's really what we are always seeking for outside of ourselves. Yeah, it's true. You know, we're sort of oriented, aren't we, you know, to just look outside of ourselves um, for that, and that's what I meant when Yogananda said we were always looking for something else, and if we, if we start to pay attention to that search, we really can discover, um, just in the laboratory of our own experience, you know, that, that we're, we are looking for happiness, that's the basic thing that we're looking for, we're all looking for happiness, and we're looking at the, at the minimum, you know, to avoid suffering, and so the problem is that 
the happiness that we're looking for is not temporary. We don't want temporary happiness. You know, we don't want to be happy this morning and heartbroken this afternoon. You know, we, we, we would like to stay happy. <laughs> um, but conditions in the world, you know, come and go and they change. And uh, yet the happiness that is inherent to our being is the yogis have described it as the, the pure joy of self-knowing, which has to do with our, our wholeness and it's that that we're looking for, you know, that is not going to disappoint us. But because we're outwardly oriented, you know, we keep looking outside of ourselves for it. Mm. Here on the Inner Work Podcast, we talk about how circumstances, if we place our happiness on our circumstances, we're just inevitably always going to suffer. So I love that you just, it, it all is coming together. <laughs> like, it's so exciting for our listeners, I'm sure, to just get to hear more and more viewpoints from other, you know, amazing, credible sources on how, like humanity, we must not place our happiness outside of ourselves. Like this is a human dilemma. This isn't just like, you know, for some of us, this is literally as a species, we are placing our, you know, because of duality, we're, we're projecting everything outside of ourselves and missing that it's all within us and it's so great to see you, you know, in the Jewel of Abundance just elaborate on this page after page of it's all about going within to truly find genuine prosperity, genuine happiness and lasting fulfillment. Thank you so much. It's really, um, it's the great life lesson, you know, I think that we're here to learn. That's why, you know, as you were describing, it's like awakening to the truth of our own being. And it's serious. I mean, not only in terms of our happiness, our, our personal happiness, but, I, you know, for the well-being of the planet. I, and that's one of the things that I mentioned in the book is the great outrageous goal that I have that as, you know, humanity continues to awaken and find their own sufficiency, then um, there will be, you know, we can bring an end to this plundering of the earth, right, that comes from greed and from um, misunderstanding, you know, how to find happiness because, you know, there are so many who have more than they need and, and many more who, who don't have enough. So we need to be part of bringing balance into our world and learning the truth about prosperity is a really important part about, of that. Yeah, you say that learning to prosper is a path of transformation, which... Was, That's a new way of that was at a it. really new way of looking at it and especially come like someone who's reading it like myself who thinks oh like wanting to prosper is this you know damned thing that I should let go of you know I shouldn't want I shouldn't want this for myself and and you flat out say learning to prosper is is a path of transformation which I look at yoga as a path of transformation so could you tell us more about that well I, I think that we need to stop dividing it up you know, and, and it isn't, you know, once we understand that it isn't like a personal wealth, it isn't for the accumulation of personal wealth, but it is, you know, how, how can I thrive, how can I prosper in a way that allows me to live a happy, healthy life and contribute to the well-being of those around me and contribute to the well-being of of all 
in and if we understand yoga as wholeness, yoga as union with the divine, then you know the divine is not limited. And so when when we come to really embrace this philosophy, we, we also have to understand that we're embracing a philosophy of a way of life that is not meant to be limited. It's meant we're meant to thrive, we're meant to prosper and not just for ourselves, but so that we can contribute to the well-being of all. Mm. Mm, I love it. And and on that note, I guess the, the, the natural next question then is, what is true wealth then? I think we're all, you know, we all kind of know that, you know, I mean, even though there's the tendency that people have to, and especially in the West, you know, to equate wealth with money, we all know that money alone doesn't bring, it doesn't bring happiness and it doesn't bring health um, and that without those, you know, we, we are not truly wealthy people. We might be materially wealthy, but true wealth, as I see it, and as we find it laid out in the spiritual tradition, spiritual traditions is, is uh, soul wealth. It's, it's our ability to thrive. It's the ability of the soul to fully express in the world. Yeah, I feel like for me and Matthew, we've been on both extremes. Like we've been in the world and we've succeeded and then been just so drained in our relationship and in our time, not having abundance of time or uh, even lacking our spiritual practices. And then we've swung the other direction and been so immersed in our spiritual practices and you know, kind of given up the world. And we're, we're just now coming into this place where it all matters and it's all a part of it in our whole life and everything from relationships to time to the quality of work and service we're giving is where we're finding abundance now. They described, I think, the, the section about this, about the issue Upanishad, you know, that is just considered um, the greatest uh, of the Upanishads, the greatest scripture, and, and it basically says it's a problem if you, if you place all of your hopes on the world right Mm -hmm. um you're going to be disappointed and you know we're familiar with that message from all the religious traditions but then what the Ishupanishad says that's really surprising it says but if you place all your hopes on the inner life um it's going to be worse while you're at it. 
Mm, yeah, that um, has been the hardest thing for us to learn, <laughs> effort and non-attachment. Yeah. On that note, um, be- because we're talking kind of about that notion that we're supposed to surrender and just it all should just be this inner experience and, and we get that from all these religions and all these spiritual practices. In your book, you draw the connection between surrender and true prosperity, which I've never seen like kind of... Mm. Um, elaborated on yeah. yeah put put together in that context could you tell us more about what the connection is between surrender and prosperity yeah it's a critical piece you know because with surrender you know what are we surrendering we're, we're surrendering the illusion of an independent existence mm. so if you are walking around in life thinking that you're on your own it's really hard to prosper. You know, if you're all wrapped up in your ego self and you're, you know, going to do it on your own, then you, you don't have access to the unlimited support that comes directly from mm. the source. So surrender is really letting go of the idea that that you have a, a an existence that's separate from the source. And, you know, I, people have a hard time figuring out okay you know how do I surrender (laughs) so I I think you know I sort of developed what I call um the backdoor approach to surrender which is um, most of us are familiar with where we struggle in life and so I always just say well what if your struggle, you know, could be an invitation to surrender? And what would it be like if you let go of the struggle? Mm. It's almost like you're inviting us and the and the, and the readers and, and all of these teachings are to just trust that in the surrender, it's all going to be provided. It's already there. We're already open. okay mm-hmm. if we would just stop fighting with life, you know, stop struggling with life because it's, it's, you know, often our own fear that we're not going to be supported or taken care of or loved or okay that we're, that we're struggling. It's in our disbelief that we are, we are so loved. Mm. You're actually surrendering well, resistance. Sometimes people mistake, you know, they think surrender is giving up. Right. right. Um, you know, that we're not going to try anymore, you know, or that it's, is it the resignation? But there's a, a felt quality that's that's very different. You know, resignation is a lack of um, faith. Mm. Um, you're just resigned, you know, to, um, you know, things not going well. But spiritual surrender is actually um, an act of faith. So there's a distinction, a very powerful distinction between those two ways of being. Yeah, absolutely. And and with that faith, in the Jewel of Abundance, you're really pointing out we need to step out of our little corner, you know, and in that surrender, that's going to open us up. Is there any more, you know, is there something you could say about that process of, so now we're surrendering, we're trusting, we're having faith, but I'm still afraid. What would you say? Well, it helps if you have um, a sadhana, you know, it helps if you have a daily practice especially a practice of meditation, because we need to be able to get out of our mind, you know, to get out of the ruminating mental processes, you know, that that worry that, that spins around and around, you know. We'll find ourselves saying, well, what was I thinking? You know, I do need to worry about this. <laughs> so, you know, I, 
I have a little section in the book where I say, no, you need to change your mind from worry to worship, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, lifting up your consciousness, you know, beyond conditions, beyond thought, and just allowing yourself to soar, you know, for a period of time in the unlimited, the unbounded divine self. And then, you know, and then, of course, you know, we, we need to do, we need to take steps. Um, we need to take wisdom-guided steps rather than, you know, panic steps, right? Absolutely. And I love the stories throughout the book of how, um, like one in particular that was just coming to mind as you were saying that is you're describing the process of putting yourself out there and opening a center. And you you tell the story of how, you know, you started in this tiny little uh, office building that didn't even went underground and then you got another spot and then you found this beautiful like church center but it was like you know a couple million dollars and you were like okay guys well uh how are we gonna do this and you know it just anonymously is donated eventually after you all put yeah. your you put it out there and that's just a perfect example of everything we were just talking about of you did the effort but you also surrendered not knowing how in the world that was going to happen but also not not carrying the load yourself. So, you know, you guys said you were able to come up with, say, $20,000. And you're like, well, how in the world are we going to get, the, you know, a couple million for this? And lo and behold, it's like as soon as you surrendered and, and, and let it go, it seems like, you know, the creator provided. And anonymously, somehow it worked. I mean, those stories are just so magical. Yeah, and they're really true, you know, and I've seen that, I've seen that happen so many times, but, you know, um, in the teachings of yoga, we, we find that um, it's put forth that the magical, the real magical combination is self-effort and openness to divine grace. So those two work together. I mean, effort does not cause grace. You know, grace is unearned. It's always there. But somehow, you know, when we become clear about what, not only what we need to do, but what we're willing um, to be a part of, you know, to come forth. And then we, we start to move in that direction and we take the steps that we need to take. Then the universe itself does respond to us. You know, I, I, I've seen that. I mean, it's the story of my life in, in so many ways. So, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to operate, uh, without us taking that radical step of, commitment and willingness and um you know doing you know taking those first steps that we know to take i've always um learned it as you know the divine grace like you were saying it's always going to be there but however it only comes if invited in a sense you you have to exercise your will to invite the divine to bless you in a sense to invite that to come to you otherwise you can resist it forever you know you can keep it at bay and be like no 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 i don't want it you have, there's, a, there's this relationship between our own effort, our own commitment, and um, how the universe responds uh, to that. Would you say there's like a core spiritual principle that relates to having a pro- prosperous life? Like how can uh, listeners incorporate a, a spiritual practice that would, you know, invite more prosperity? I think the core spiritual practice that's most important for you know, developing um, all divine qualities, whether it's 
having a prospering life, being more compassionate, you know, all these divine qualities that we would like to see come forth in our life. For me, the the critical practices have been, you know, those that are defined in Patanjali Yoga Sutra for practicing Kriya Yoga and, you know, their meditation, right? <laughs> to meditate every day and to have a disciplined life, you know, to lead an ethical life, and which is an ongoing process of learning all the time, right, in a deeper and deeper way how to do that, how to cooperate with the infinite, and then, you know, to live a surrendered life. Mm. And could you just go a little bit further into that kind of dovetailing off that is what advice would you offer to those having a hard time finding that life purpose you know so maybe they understand what you just said like how to do it but what if they're like i i don't know what i'm supposed to do though i think for the most part you know when people are um, getting started exploring that idea of dharma you know life purpose it, it gets kind of easily confused with okay what am i supposed to do and I think it's helpful if we if we think less about what am I supposed to do than than who am I called to be, mm-hmm. um, because what you do is going to come out of you know your inherent beingness and those qualities that you're that you're bringing that you're bringing forth, and you know for that I I should tell people well you can. You know, even look into your childhood to see those qualities that were there even when you were a child. I mean, you know, it's easy to see in children very often certain qualities, you know, um, some of them, you know, maybe they really love animals or they're they're so compassionate or some of them are so um, feisty and they're theatrical or, or they're bookish, you know, there's just qualities that that children have that to me are kind of portends of their dharma later in life. Mm. We can often just look back into our own life and and see who we were, um, you know, before we grew up and got lost in the world. Yeah. Kind of looking back and connecting all the dots and what, what, what do we find ourselves continuously drawn to? What types of, of energies and, and activities? Uh, yeah, uh-huh. and and what do we care about? You know, what is what is important to us? Mm-hmm. And that there's a, like a thread, you know, that stays with us um, throughout our life. I think. Yeah, I feel like it's it's yeah, getting back in tune, like you said, with that inner child, and just removing everything that we've taken on as something we should be or should do or should should should, and just getting back in tune with what we what we naturally were before we inherited all those shoulds. So I love that a lot. So our last question is, what do you hope that, you know, readers take away from reading your book, The Jewel of Abundance? We hope that readers reading the book are inspired, you know, to live a, a life that has heart and meaning and to know that they can and to know that it's important not only for them but um, for this whole process of awakening on the planet that we're all involved in right now. 
Wonderful. Absolutely. I accept. <laughs> say yes, yes to all I of say this. yes to all of this. <laughs> well, we've enjoyed having you so, so much. It and we're still honor. reading the book. We're not finished with it. We're at the very end, loving every little bit. And we're actually giving it oh. to our good friend, Liana, after we're done with it. And we've got our whole family on board because the book <laughs> is so good. It's one of those books that you just want to give to everybody you know after you read it for yourself. And and then you want it back because, of course, you, you highlight <laughs> like, in it. I'm ready to read and it And you again. write your notes in it, which we have done. We, we've written on, on almost every page. There's so many good, just like, honestly, you could even just open the book and find so many good one-liners. You're like, mm, I'm just going to work on that today. So yeah. um, we're so grateful for you doing, you know, what you were born to do and what you were meant to come and give because it, it's impacting our lives and, and we're sure so many other people. Well, I'm so delighted to hear that, and it really touches my heart, and especially knowing um, the work that you're doing and that you're all about and supporting and inspiring others. So it's beautiful to see the blessings getting passed on in the universe, and I wish you all the best, and thank you for inviting me into your podcast and into the heart of your listeners as well. Awesome. Yes, thank you so much. It is such an honor, and to all our listeners, thank you again for another beautiful episode and for being with us here we will see you in a couple weeks and we love you all namaste 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 to find out more about ellen grace o'brien you can visit her website at www.ellengraceobrien.com to find out more about the inner work retreat visit us at theyogacouple.com and click on hawaii retreat we hope to see you there